You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Loyalty's my favorite characteristic of God, but finding it in it is hard. It's like trying to find God. You're the only one in your camp with cheese. You pay for everything they eat. Man, that insecurity is deep. Now I ain't said no names. These are just theories if you hear me, baby. It's home. You must admit it's kind of eerie, baby. Like them Kim Trails in the sky. Grand Rising, everyone. Welcome to the day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. I want to welcome you to this Word-Filled Wednesday. That's right. I get to have a whole word because my buddy Brian Callanan is back in the building. We get to dive into some of the topics they've been covering on Seattle News Views and Brews. It has been a minute since I've been able to tap in with him. And y'all know it comes on on Wednesday. So we want to make sure y'all understand what they've been covering. And I'm excited. You know, anytime. I got Brian in the building. It's going to be a good old day. So I'm a, I'm grateful, but I'm also grateful to you all because it's the top of the show, y'all. And so it's the perfect time to tag and share this stream right here. That's right. You get to work with us by tagging and sharing this stream with folks you feel who could benefit from a daily dose of dopeness right here on the David Trey. And if you cannot watch us, we do have you covered by going to your favorite podcast platform and you can listen to us anywhere where you find podcasts over like 200 platforms. I'm on Google and Spotify and iTunes, SoundCloud, Apple Music, whichever one is your favorite. Just search Converge Media Network in the day with Trey. Y'all will find me there. Kudos to the entire Converge team for making all that tremendous work happen on the back end. We appreciate you all. Well, Y'all, I, I'm I'm gonna tell you again because this is something I'm excited for, and it's happening tomorrow. That's right, we will be celebrating Elijah L. Lewis's life and legacy right there at Wamu Theater at the uh, the Lumenfield Event Center. It's also called. Uh, I, we're so excited from six to nine p.m. Y'all, there is some links. Go to the Covenant um, on social media. Go to Africatown SCA. Y'all have probably seen this flyer for those of you who are following a lot of different accounts out here in the greater Seattle area, uh, you know, we are excited. We have some amazing speakers and performers who will be showing up there tomorrow to celebrate Elijah's life and legacy. And as I said, we started the week out with Memorial Day, you know, by opening our wallets to all of these amazing black vendors here as we celebrated Black Wall Street. And today, May 31st, actually marks a another anniversary of the Tulsa, Oklahoma bombings. And this is something that we have to keep in our psyche, y'all, because we have to always understand the value and importance of that time in our history uh, here in this country and what it means to us now you know, over a hundred years later. Now, what does it mean to all of us to really understand all of the hard work and dedication that was put into building those towns up? You know, once uh, all of these folks were freed from these enslavement periods, you know, right? They had all of these liberties that they utilize to benefit themselves and their families for generations to come. And it is one of those things where I dive into that brilliance all the time because the truth is, is that when we look at the data now, indigenous and black folks will find themselves at the lower bottom of almost any kind of metric when it comes to wealth. And yet we're maybe at the top metrics when it comes to the importance of us not being healthy. So much of 
that is tethered together. And we understand that we need to be caring for ourselves holistically as a people and as a person, right? We need to be caring for ourselves holistically in order to make sure that that tether is tightened in a way that is beneficial to all of us. And so Elijah, as a young entrepreneur, he celebrated so many businesses out here. He himself used to throw Othello Marketplace events in the summer time just to bring vendors another opportunity to connect with community. He was more than a community builder and an entrepreneur. He was my young brother and my friend. And I am grateful to everyone who has said yes to this event tomorrow. Uh, thank you so much, y'all, for pulling up for Elijah. I mean, some of y'all are coming from out of town just to celebrate his life and legacy with us here in the greater Seattle area. And I say that because, to be honest, Y'all don't even know how much work goes into pulling like something like this off. You know, we want to celebrate our, our community pillars in strong ways that elevate their legacy, but also give us a glimpse into all the hard work and dedication that they poured into it so we can be inspired to do it ourselves. Maybe we can't do it at the same level, but whatever it is that we can bring to make our community, our neighborhood, our families stronger and better. Let's be doing that work because when we're all participating in it, we all rise. And that's really the beauty of so much of the messaging that we'll be sharing tomorrow as we celebrate Elijah L. Lewis. So again, join me, y'all. Y'all have been hearing me talk about this, but I am pumped because I know that he gave so much. And in his 23 years of life, I just still can't believe he was 23, but did so much. And I'm always inspired when I was with him, alongside him in so many uh, endeavors he was doing and embarking on, but also when I reflect back and I realize how important it is for us to be doing what we can and make this world better. So I'm just going to end it right there. I want y'all to be tuning in with us, coming on down, celebrating with us. Let's turn up for him. It is going to be a blast and I'm excited for that. Again, tomorrow, 6 to 9 p.m. at Wamuth theater. Um, it is a free event. We want y'all to come and celebrate him with those of us in community who loved him dearly. I'm sure as many of you out there did as well. Well, after this short break, I get the chance to tap in with my other brother, Brian Callanan, as he shares some of the things they've been touching base on on Seattle News, Views and Brews. Y'all know it's been a minute, so you definitely want to stay tuned after this short break, y'all. You're watching The Day with Trey. One in every 500 African-Americans in the U.S. suffers from sickle cell disease. One in three African-American blood donors is a match for patients with sickle cell. One appointment to donate blood with the American Red Cross can help save a life. Will you be that one? Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood today to schedule an appointment at a location near you. COVID-19 hurt my income, my health, and my family. We were about to lose our home when we heard we might be eligible for homeowner assistance funds from the government. We called 1-877-894-HOME and a housing counselor stepped in. They talked to our lender and saved our home because falling on hard times does not have to mean losing your home. Federal funding details at WashingtonHAF.org.
up, everybody? You know, me and Besa, my girl, we had to pull up to Market Street Shoes once again, y'all. And you know, we do this every season. We have to get the new shoes, the new boots. And this time, I even got a coat. Yeah, no, you did walk in without a coat. I really I'm did. glad you found one. But their boots were on point. Yes, the boots, the bags. I even grabbed a flannel. Yeah, you did. You know, and I was able to get some hats and everything. I was really impressed. And you know, I was impressed because, of course, I got those white boots that you guys see me wearing everywhere these days. Yeah, no, I, I look at your white boots and I'm like, darn it, they only have one pair. Me and Basie wear the same size. Of course, every time we walk out with several bags in hand. Several bags and sometimes even a backpack, you guys. Make sure you check out Market Street Shoes. Yeah, please check them out. where they go, Basa? Ooh, 2232 Northwest Market Street, Seattle, Washington. Welcome back, everyone, to The David Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday, and joining me right now is Brian Callanan. What's up, Brian? I'm doing great, Trey. How are you? Oh, I'm 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 really good. You we're, know, we're color coordinated there today. I like that. There it is. I don't know how we do that, but I'm with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I like it. it. I like it. It's been too long, and you yeah. know, when we have those breaks, I always <laughs> want to start and talk about some of the things y'all have been covering yeah. on Seattle News Views and Brews. What are yeah. some of those hot topics out there, Brian? A number of them. And I'll just kind of touch on some of the things we've done in the past couple of weeks here. There's a big one that's going to be a continuing issue, I think, for the city and really for our larger community too. I'm talking about the number of police officers we have in our ranks. And recently, there was a report made to the city council about where the SPD is in terms of its hiring. And it looks like they've just about bottomed out. There was a sign that maybe a few more officers were coming back on at the end of last year and the start of this quarter here, but that's been very, very slow. And that's that's one part of the whole equation here. The second part that is very interesting to this in terms of report that was recently made to the Public Safety Committee for the Seattle City Council is this. There has been some work to recruit and retain officers. The mayor of Seattle actually set aside some dollars specifically for that. So the city council is saying, okay, that sounds good. And the SPD is saying, well, we don't actually have a plan yet from the mayor's office as to how exactly those retention dollars, those recruitment dollars are going to be spent. And so this is going to be part of the friction, I think, going forward here, Trey, is this idea of, okay, the mayor said we're going to have these extra dollars to recruit and retain. How are we going to do that? And, and how are we going to end up trying to get more officers in the ranks? Because as we've reported a number, a number of times before, we're at about, we're less than a thousand officers right now. And the SPD has some concerns about that. They want to make sure they have enough folks to cover the entire Seattle area. They're leaning on a lot of overtime hours right now to make that happen. But this is kind of the frustration. They're saying, okay, we want to recruit and retain officers, but hang on a minute, uh, you know, what's happening here? We're not getting these dollars or we're not getting a full plan from the mayor's office. So that's kind of the, I guess, built in tension that's going on right now with that issue. Well, the inner workings of this are really in, 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 in I don't know what the real term you're is. About I to mean, say insane and well, you're close. Okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> may, maybe it was insane, but it's also like, it's interesting. Yeah, it's really okay. interesting to me because when you think about budget, right? I think about um, what I know about state budgets sure. now, right? If 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 there's money allocated to something, mm-hmm. who does the responsibility fall on to mm-hmm. execute the something? And yeah. so you would think, okay, now SPD knows, hey, there's this amount of dollars, X amount of dollars set aside by mm-hmm. the mayor. <laughs> 
here's how we can utilize those dollars to benefit yeah. our end result, which right. is retaining and recruiting more officers, right? Yeah. And so it's really, it's a it's an interesting thing to me because I'm like, well, would that plan essentially historically come from the mayor's team yeah. um, and administration? Or is that something that is a collaboration between SPD and the mayor? Or yeah. is it something that SPD should be willing to build yeah. um, in and of themselves to say, this is how we're going to utilize and access those dollars? Yeah. That's what's interesting to me here. I, I, I feel the same. I'm not exactly sure where the plan needs to come from and who takes credit for it. I'm not that concerned about it, but I know that's, that's a piece of the puzzle here too. I think I, part of the backstory here, I feel like Trey is that the police officers guild hasn't had a contract now going on three years. And so we're looking at that kind of how that's going to play in here. So how do they want to recruit these new officers? What does that mean in terms of the new role they'll potentially have when it comes to having this third public safety department that we've been talking about, right? The ones that will, will respond to these low acuity, low intensity kind of calls out there. So I think there's a lot of things swirling around here and how exactly you recruit and retain officers when the role of a police officer is really, really changing right now. As you know, I mean, I think it's a situation where they are as much a, a social worker in many cases as they're a law enforcement officer. And so as these roles start to get more or less defined here over the next several months, certainly in the city of Seattle, when we're talking about building up this third public safety department here, I'm interested to see how that'll look. And I, I was talking with David Crome and my co-host about this on the show, and it's just, how do you do it? What, how, how would you do that to try to recruit a police officer right now? I, do you have any thoughts about that? What well, does that look like? I, I mean, I definitely think for me, anything that can be more rooted in a community approach yeah. is going to be key right now, particularly because the roles of officers are changing before our very yeah. eyes. But it's also something to be said. I, I mean, I said this, you know, I think around 2020, I was like, look, I mean, I get it. Like this may be ideological or, you know, people are like, oh, you're, that's not even the reality yeah. of it when I'm like well what about the days of the beat cop like uh, you know sure. a cop being on a certain beat meaning that they know the community a lot of the times it seemed as though the best way to do this is to have officers that live in that community mm -hmm. being the ones that are the patrollers of that community, yeah. that are the protectors of that community. But can they afford it, to live there? Well, that, can, yeah. well that's a whole yeah. other thing, right, right? right? Especially when we talk about rising costs. So mm -hmm. that's why so yeah. many issues yeah. are really layered yeah. into this discussion here, Brian. I know it's not the easiest thing, no. but right now, you know, how do they have maybe community advisory boards that can, yeah. you know, be a part of the recruitment process, yeah. right? How can we make sure that certain things are more public record. We mm -hmm. understand this, this uh, officer, potential officer's history, like a sure. candidate. Mm -hmm. Those things are important to community because yeah. we see far too often in global majority communities, Jules was just talking about this yesterday, yeah. that unfortunately the trust is still not built. Yeah. And how do they do this retention and recruitment when community is like, wait, we still are not sure yeah. about y'all. Yeah. That's, I mean, so it's a lot of layering issues here yeah. that I feel like if there was more um, engagement mm -hmm. from, you know, community and a greater understanding of where this responsibility lies yeah. so that we can help follow the process. Right, right, right. now, it kind of seems like, oh, it's up in the air. We don't know. I'm not sure. And, and that is going to be interesting to watch that play out. And then my other thought, too, was just the platform through which this advertising or recruitment happens? Is it 
an online presence because you've got a lot of different uh, young people potentially or older people if it's a lateral transfer between other departments, certainly checking it out on social media. So you got to have that covered. But you're right. You actually have to be in community too, getting that feedback from different people, trying to find people from within those communities who could end up being police officers. That's huge. So I, I, I'm, it's, it's a huge job. It always has been for the SPD. But I think with this new effort, I mean, you can say we're going to recruit more officers, but then it's like, okay, what does that look like? How are you going to do that? We got the money for it. How, what's it going to, what's it going to be? So I'm really interested to see how that plays out. And, uh, like I say, up against the backdrop of needing a new, uh, uh, contract for the police officers guild, also needing to build up this third public safety department. This is a very, um, I won't say unstable, but just there's a lot of questions about how this is going to look over the next couple of months. Well, it's really convoluted, especially yeah. for those of us who are not um, directly involved, yeah. right, with the process. It looks like, wait a minute, what right. do they have their stuff together yeah. and, in terms and throw, of how throw to the do con it? Throw the consent decree on yeah. top of that too that they're trying to get out of, right? You know, yeah. There's I mean, there's there's a lot going on there, yeah. and and I am, am definitely interested in this third party, right? Yeah, building this up because yeah. uh, that was such a public outcry. Yep. Post George Floyd's oh, yeah. murder. We we've seen this kind of approach uh, trying to spring up across the country. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. multiple cities have been trying mm -hmm. to find a way to do this, yep. and so it's one of those newer things yeah. that you know folks are doing. But it's very interesting to see how that plays out in the midst of everything else going yeah. on. Agreed. What else have y'all been tapping into? I, I wanted to talk about an issue that we've talked about recently, and also is going to continue to play out for the Seattle City Council, and that's this tree protection ordinance. And I've talked about with this with you a little bit, and I think. What was interesting to me at the end of the day, this is something that has needed to happen for many years. It was kind of put off, put off, put off. They finally have something together here and neither the people who really want to see trees protected nor the people who really want to make sure that we're building up density. Nobody was really satisfied out of this process, which I guess you could say, okay, then I guess, you know, the, the city did it right. But I'm really interested to see not how this is going to curtail necessarily the cutting of trees, which is very important here. And the city needs to do a better job of that on its own public land, parks, et cetera. But also where are trees actually gonna be planted? What is it gonna look like in terms of being proactive here? And I think that's the piece that a lot of people, Councilmember Tammy Morales in District 2 was talking about this a lot. I think it's that this idea of having some equity to the whole tree protection area and the canopy that we have, because if this turns into a deal where, okay, great, we're or not great. We've protected, you know, this certain neighborhood from too much cutting of trees. We've protected this neighborhood, et cetera. If you're not actually planting trees and putting them in areas where they haven't been before, getting rid of these different concrete jungles, if you will, that happen in different parts of our city, certainly in the Southeast part of our city. If you're not able to do that and not, not able to make it happen quickly, that's the whole thing too. We're not going to have full grown trees down in Southeast Seattle like that overnight. Right. And so we're going to have another summer go through here where we're going to have these issues raised again. This tree protection ordinance isn't going to happen overnight, but I'm really interested to see how this will go and how this whole equity question, which I think was at the root and I, all puns intended, they're totally at the root of what's going on here. How is that going to be, how's that going to play out? And, and what's the city going to be going to be doing to be proactive about it? Well, you know, tree 
ordinance. Yeah. You say that and most people fall asleep immediately. I know, but, yeah. but the truth is, is this is why I love what you do on Seattle News Views and Brews because you. you bring these topics out in ways that allow us to engage with them and learn more. Mm -hmm. And for me, it, it's very interesting because I somehow stumbled into this, yeah. uh, this topic uh, a couple years back when we were really being able to identify how there are certain characteristics in affluent neighborhoods mm -hmm. that don't exist in a lot of what they would call urban areas yeah. or low I'm always say, yeah. yeah, yeah. Low to moderate income areas. Yeah, right. Those who are more on the, around the poverty sure. line, oftentimes global majority folks, yeah. right? Uh, you think about the coverage that they have in Medina or Bellevue sure. or Redmond yeah. versus some of the other cities that we're talking, even we're talking about Southeast of Seattle. Yep. We're talking about unincorporated King County. Yep. There's a lot of difference. And it was interesting to me that tree coverage was one of mm -hmm. those things that denote yeah. whether this neighborhood is more around poverty line yeah. or more affluent. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? So I dove into it personally because I'm yeah. like, when you start understanding these characteristics, Brian, yeah. you begin to understand the planning that goes mm -hmm. into when, because that was part of my degree was urban planning. Yeah, yeah. So how do we utilize all of this understanding and data yeah. to have a more equitable approach? Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. Yeah, yeah. How do we now uh, remedy yeah. Maybe those past harms because it was clearly yeah. done intentionally. Yep. So now we have to be intentional about mm -hmm. doing the reverse uh -huh. Uh -huh. And, or doing something that's going to at least begin to balance the scales. Yeah. And we know it takes trees many years to grow, mm -hmm. but the idea of planting and where that's going to happen, um, that's going to be a key factor here mm -hmm. as well. So I love that you're covering this because yeah. honestly, no one would think that tree coverage, you know, there's something about the shaded areas, oh, yeah. about so much of the the oxygen, all these things that trees provide. Like there's so much more yeah. in, in terms of the science behind yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was just mind blowing for I me. I know it, the, the phrase that I always come back to, Trey, is climate justice. Mm -hmm. We think about justice in a lot of different like legal ways. But when you think about climate justice is we're all up against this this impending tragedy, if you will, of of a climate crisis that we're all dealing with. Right. It can be more pronounced in areas where there is less tree coverage. It will be hotter there. When we had that heat dome a couple of years ago, people died. You know, people got really sick because of it. And so this really does turn into an issue of justice and equity very quickly. The people that have the better protection, well, they're going to be OK. But that, again, is an indicator of, of neighborhoods that have a little bit more money. So if the city is going to be real about this idea of being equitable and really trying to do that, you have to have it from the climate justice angle too, I think. Well, absolutely. And, and we all understand global warming yeah. is real and we're experiencing it up here yeah. in the Pacific Northwest yeah. with these heat waves we've been yeah. having. I mean, just this month. I know, for I know. Canada, yeah, the, right? the smoke coming in. Like we were experiencing yeah. that. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, one last topic, Brian, y'all yeah. been on some hot ones. No, we're, we're dealing with a bunch of stuff, including this week, we're talking about what's going on with the housing levy. These meetings are really going to start ramping up for the Seattle City Council. And as you'll remember, Trey, the mayor was talking about tripling this uh, not so long ago. And so we're going to see what that turns into as well. I'm I'm concerned about this mainly because there are so many different housing issues going on at once. And because the ballot coming up here in the fall is going to be super crowded when it comes to City Council. I mean, we've got all those races to think about. We've got uh, stuff going on for um, uh, the county has some issues uh, on the ballot as well. And, and when we talk about the housing levy, I just want to make sure that it doesn't fall through the cracks a little bit. And I will say this. I think that 
this is going to be one of those issues that when we start talking to these different council members, as we you know learn a little bit more and we get to that point where uh, we get past the primaries, et cetera, I think their position on the housing levy, how it gets executed, et cetera, how equitable it's going to be in terms of the coverage of housing, I think that's going to be a key, key question here for all these different candidates. I would urge people to be asking candidates about this because I think this is one of those hidden issues a lot of times. People say, oh yeah, of course I'm going to vote for the housing levy. This time around, I wonder, because it's going to be a lot more money and we're going to have to really see how these different council members who have their different districts that are all concerned about here, how are they going to respond to it? What would they What would they do with those dollars, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this honestly, for me, it ties back to what we just said about mm. the recruitment and retaining of police officers. Yeah. You know why? Is because you can denote monies to mm. something. Yeah. But without the plan, it's harder for people to understand how those monies are going to be spent. And most oftentimes we're talking about, okay, is that an increase? on my property taxes is that an increase somehow that i'm paying into mm -hmm. right yeah. and what does what do i get for that yeah. increase that's a real question any mm -hmm. voter you know any informed voter is going yeah. to have yeah. in terms of you know how does it play out in the end yeah that's really always yeah. the key here and we talked about this plenty of times yeah you know how we go on and on about yeah, housing yeah. but the truth is is because it is such a convoluted issue you got kcrha king county King County Regional Homelessness Authority. Mm -hmm. You also have the city trying to do things with mm -hmm. homelessness. You have the Lived Experience Coalition yeah. who's trying to make sure that they understand some of the needs of sure. our houseless population. You have a lot of different layers yeah. when we talk about housing yeah. and trying to make this city more affordable. Yeah. And it's one of those things that is going to need a very strong plan. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all for more money into sure. housing, but I, I will say that, you know, we just saw Governor Inslee, all this money towards mm -hmm. housing at the state level. Uh, and, and unfortunately some folks are like, okay, well, what goes on with that money? Yeah. How much of that is administrative staff? Yeah, well, there's and how that. much yeah. of that is actually building? There's so much that people have questions about because yeah. to be honest, they're not really seeing the, the effects of yeah. the money that's yeah. being poured into these issues. And the, and the other wrinkle there, too, you mentioned the Regional house, uh, Homelessness Authority there. Mark Doan's very abruptly stepping down, resigning from that role. And I'm really interested to see what happens with that group. And we've covered this in the podcast as well. Doan stepping down. There's an interim CEO that will be there. But Doan's in leading up to the part where they resigned talked about this issue of, okay, we're going to renew all these contracts for these different social service providers. We're going to do that by the month of June. Now it's a little bit of a scramble. I don't think that's going to happen by the month of June, but over the course of the summer, it's another very important thing to think about and really try to monitor when we try to go figure out what's going on with housing, looking at the regional homelessness authority there and trying to figure out, okay, what is the RHA doing here? Because they've recently put out a new budget. It's not that multi-billion dollar one that was put out a little while ago. They have something that's within their means, but I'm really interested to see how the RHA bounces back from that because that was very sudden. And I think it was a real gut punch to a lot of these different efforts that's going on. It's going to take a little bit to write that ship. And I don't know who wants that job because that's a really, really difficult position. And as you remember, Mark Dones was not the first choice for that position either. So I'm really interested to see where that group goes because there's been some chatter around town. I don't necessarily agree with, but let's tear the whole thing apart and dismantle it. Um, I'm, I'm not on board with that. I want to make sure that we have a regional approach. That's my personal opinion. But again, people want results and that's real too. So it was just what you were saying before. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people want results. And 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 that's one thing I remember. Mark Doan sat right here in the Black sure. Media Matter studios and told us that 
really KCRHA is created to come up with a solution that will work mm -hmm. by identifying the historical solutions in the past 30 years that haven't worked. Yeah. And I, that really stuck out when they said that to me, it stuck out to me. Cause I was like, yo, mm -hmm. that that's a phenomenal approach because if you already know these approaches didn't yeah. work. And so now you got to devise a new strategy. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, and I know that they've done incredible work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so even when I see some of the amazing um, recaps over the years of like what folks have been able to do, I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, great. It's one of those things that has to get yeah. done chunk yeah. by chunk. Yeah. Brian, always such a pleasure to talk to yeah. you. I'm glad you're always on it. Make sure folks know how to find you on Seattle News Views and Brews and out there in the social sphere. All right. Thank you very much, Trey. Seven o'clock, make sure you check out Seattle News Views and Brews on Wednesdays right here on Converge. If you want to hit me up, at Callanan Seattle. Great way to do that on Twitter or Instagram. And Trey, I got to say, thank you very much again for having me on the show. Always a pleasure, Brian. Anytime. Great to be with you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, y'all. It's always an informed discussion. I told you, word-filled Wednesday with Brian Callanan today. I get to wrap up all these amazing words right after this short break. Stay tuned. You're watching The Day with Trey. Welcome back, everyone, to The Day with Trey. I'm your host, Trey Holiday. What an amazing and wonderful word-filled Wednesday with Brian Callen. And today, huge shout-out to him for joining me on this Wednesday to bring y'all some of the hot topics they've been covering there on Seattle News Views and Brews with Brian and David Croman. You know, the, the great thing for me is that I always love getting into these discussions with, with Brian because he's one of the only people that I get to talk like this with. Um, but he's also so informed. So make sure y'all are tuning in to Seattle News Views and Brews tonight, 7 p.m. You know, be engaged in what's going on in your neck of the woods. That is the way to be inspired and to see yourself as a part of the solution. Anytime Brian hits this uh, set right here with me, I'm always inspired because he's sharing some insight that we all need to really be tuning into whether it's your jam or not i promise you eventually it will impact you um, if you're in the seattle area and there are tertiary experiences if you're outside of seattle so just find the ways to be engaged with what's going on in your city and if you're not here there's plenty of other ways to do that by being engaged in your city council meetings in your county council meetings in your school board meetings i mean these are open to the public y'all so find the ways to be engaged to see yourself as a part of the solution, as Brian has. And for me, until tomorrow, y'all, at 11 a.m. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.